You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Shazam. Daily Bats, I choose you as champion. Say my name so my powers will become yours. Shazam. Wait, for real? Say it's okay! Say my name. Right? What are your superpowers? Superpowers, dude? I don't even know how to pee in this thing. This is proof of authenticity. Super strength. Electricity manipulation. Hyperspeed. I'd like to purchase some of your finest beer, please. Sparkle fingers. No, it's not. It's not my. That's not my name. Chosen one. Oh, you're like a bad guy, right? You literally did the opposite of what a superhero is supposed to do. You're him. You're the hero. You're welcome for not getting robbed. My bad man. Get him back in. How old are you? Basically, fifteen. Electrocuted a bus and almost killed these people. And then I caught it! And leave tall buildings in a single bound. <laughs> Alright, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Shazam! And the story is as follows. Billy Batson is a streetwise 14-year-old who can magically transform into the adult superhero Shazam! I'm going to just say it like that every time throughout this review, by the way. Well, the exclamation point's there. You have Simply to. by shouting out the one word, Shazam! His newfound powers soon get put to the test when he squares off against the evil Dr. Thaddeus Savannah. The film is starring Zachary Levi, Mark Strong, Asher Angel, Jack Dylan Grazer, and Jaiman Hansu. It is directed by David F. Sandberg and written by Henry Gaiden. Joining me for this review, I have Deanne Knighton. Hi, good morning. And Dan Bayer. Hello, hello. All right, everyone, I'm about to go into review mode. Shazam! God. Here we go. So, uh, this film is a DC property. And historically speaking, when we're talking about DC films, we're either talking about two kinds of movies. We're either talking about dark, dour, and depressing, or... Warner Brothers trying to fix their shit and throw stuff at a wall and see what sticks. <laughs> and I feel like with Shazam, it's a kind of movie that definitely they threw something at a wall to see what would stick. It's something very different for the DC Extended Universe. I don't think it is something that would quite fit in with other films that they've done before if they were trying to do some sort of a, you know, kind of a crossover at some point with some of the other characters. However, as a standalone film, I think Shazam actually occupies a good spot for itself within the marketplace for young kids, especially in that teenage uh, crowd that, you know, right before adulthood where 
honestly, you just kind of want a laid-back, cool superhero that you can relate to. Uh, in many ways, I found Shazam to be a lot like another film I saw earlier this year, uh, The Kid Who Would Be King. I don't know if any of you uh, had a chance to see that. Yes. Yeah, but it just in terms of uh, tone and the entertainment value and what that would give to uh, that age group. I mean, like for myself, you know, at 29 years old, I don't know if I necessarily enjoyed, you know, some portions of Shazam because I feel like it was catered to a younger demographic. But I'll tell you this much. 13 year old Matt Neglia would have loved the hell out of this. <laughs> so I'm curious to know what you all think. Deanne, why don't we start off with you? What did you ultimately think of Shazam? Okay, so first you're going to have to humor me, and then I promise that there's a point to what I'm about to say. (laughs) Um, But I had a very interesting theater-watching experience last night. I had to get this in, you know, obviously because we were recording this morning, and I didn't plan very well. Normally I'm pretty methodical about when I see things, where, which theaters I see them in, which seat I sit in. Yes, I am totally that girl. <laughs> um, and But, you know, at the same time, I also don't consider myself I, – I, I work really hard to not be overly, you know, preemptively critical of a film. I like – I like being entertained. I like having fun. I don't have to have everything have this, you know, artsy feel for me to enjoy it. Um, and so I, you know, had an open mind, but I had never even seen a trailer for this. That's another, oh, wow. another oh. secret. Yeah. Another secret about me. I watch trailers because Matt asks me to for the Sunday show. But, <laughs> but outside of that, I actually don't like trailers and the reason especially with a film like this because i already know there's going to be limited things for me to enjoy and if i've seen a two to three minute trailer that literally gives away the plot points for me i it it just takes away and so if i go in blind even to a movie that i'm not really sure that is up my alley i have a better time because i'm you know i'm i don't know i just i I at least have some surprises so i don't even know wait wait so so do you try to arrive at the theater after the trailers have played before you see a movie i arrive yes i arrive i get my assigned seat in my special seat Mm -hmm. i arrive 16 and a half minutes late (laughs) and um yeah oh my god this is confession hour is what this is turning into but yeah that that's true and um but you know and like i watch the joker trailer i'm not gonna say i never do um but I'm pretty selective about what trailers I see. A movie like this, I would try to avoid. Um, okay, so that said, I um, I was late selecting my seat. I o- so I only got a front row seat. It's like a smaller theater. It's only about thirty of those recliner seats, and the front row spot isn't that bad. I've sat in it before, as long as I'm not seeing 3D, no problem. So uh, I roll in and I sit down and um, the entire front row, the entire row behind me and most of the row behind that is empty. So I'm like, great, this is going to start. I'm going to move back, um, which is what I do because people don't show up and it'll be fine. Well, right uh, right as we are like getting into the credits, a gaggle of 14 to 15 year olds saunder into saunder. Not Sonder. <laughs> Saunter. <laughs> Saunter into the um, and they're loud. Like the minute they enter the theater, you can tell there's like a presence. And they fill in all of the seats around me. And I'm like, okay, someone's parents got all the friends together, dropped them off the theater because they're like, Shazam's in, in the theater. And we don't have to go. And we can drop all these teenagers off and mm-hmm. see how this goes. So I'm like, okay. And again, 
I don't want to sound like a cranky old lady. I like enjoying films with people who they're meant for. Like I have no problem going to a Pixar film and having there be children there. I like that. I mean, that's who the movie is made for. So in the case of Shazam, this group of people that sits around me is technically who the movie is made for. So we should be, we should be good. This should be fine. Okay. Well, it took about like a minute to realize that they had no intention of watching this movie. I don't know if they were on a field trip or something, but they were like running laps around the theater, shouting at the screen. Every time something would happen, they thought it was really funny to like, like, um, yell out things like I have a boner or, um, like racial slurs were coming out. It was the weirdest experience. So I'm trying to ignore what is happening with these teenagers and watch this movie. But what, so then the other thing about me is that when I am kind of bored or not like knowing I need to watch the movie, but I'm sick of sitting. I, a lot of times I stand in the back of the theater and just walk, you know, pace around a little bit, get a little bit of exercise, whatever. So I was like, look, I'll do that if this gets too annoying. Well, as we're running into this movie, one of the things that you guys may be ready to comment on at some point is it has quite a runtime, which I didn't realize I had and looked up the runtime. So we're about like 90 minutes in and I'm like trying to keep my bearings and I'm like, well, this has got to be over in 15, right? Of course. I mean, there's no way <laughs> that this movie is over two hours long. Is there? Um, and so I get up and I head to the back thinking that the movie's going to end. And then I glance down at my phone in the runtime and I'm like, oh my God, there's like 35 to 40 more minutes of this movie. And um, so I'm standing in the back and I'm just trying to get through the movie because I couldn't sit by those crazy loud kids anymore who were not watching the movie itself. Like It would be one thing if they were focusing on the penis jokes that were happening in the movie, but instead they were making their own and it just wasn't working. So I... Uh, so, so the theater, one of the theater people come in and say, ma'am, you can't stand here. It's a fire hazard. And I'm like, okay. Oh, no. Uh, and so like, okay, fine. Um, let me, it's fine. I said, the movie I think is almost over. Right. And then I'm like, oh no, it's not. And then I'm like, well, there's these loud kids in the front. And honestly, can I just stand back here? And the guy's like, yeah, it's fine. So he <laughs> leaves watching the movie. Like 10 minutes, 10 minutes later, in comes the manager. Ma'am, do you have a ticket for this movie? <gasps> yes, I have a ticket no. for this movie here. She's like, well, it really is a fire hazard to have you back here. I said, I asked the other guy. He said I could stand back here. I said, it's fine, but these guys in the front row are really loud, and I'm just trying to finish this movie. And she's like, well, okay, well, I really need you to return to your seat. So I'm like, fine. Go <sighs> back down. Sit in my seat. And a minute later... She comes down and scolds all of the kids in front of me. Oh my God. For being loud and disrupting patrons of the movie, which is obviously me. I'm like this one lady in the front row who disappeared for 20 minutes and then they get in trouble by by the um, manager of the theater. Oh my God. Then I'm sitting there feeling awkward for the rest of the film. Um, Anyway. Sorry, that was a very long-winded story. Thank you for being my therapy. <laughs> um, okay, so I do promise there's a point to this, other than you guys just my issues. <laughs> um, 
But I just thought it was interesting, like, to try and take in the theater experience. One, because we've been talking a lot about the value of the theater experience. Mm. And this particular one for me was so frustrating. I, by the time the lady asked me to show her ticket, you should have seen the attitude coming off of me. I seriously wanted to tell her to F off, which is not normally, like, my... It's not normally how I go about the world, you know, but I was just frustrated. Um and so I was like trying to imagine who this film was for. And I was, I would have felt at least a little bit encouraged if I felt like that these kids were into this movie at all. Um, but I didn't get that sense. Now I'll tell you from my point of view, I think there are some things that work really well here uh, for what it's trying to be and for being something different for DC comics. I think that there are some highlights. I um, really enjoyed Zachary Levi. I thought he was great. I, I'm a big fan of Chuck. And so I was excited to see him again. I thought there were some storytelling elements that were interesting, although some of the stuff that was the best stuff I also thought they did way too much of that kind of um, made it, it just took a little too long to get to, you know, kind of ultimately where the film was going. Um, but I thought that um, in addition to Zachary Levi, I thought the two leads were um, the 15, 16 year old leads mm. were really good. And um, I, I, I don't it was just absolutely fine. Even with this negative experience, I had a few moments that I really enjoyed. I didn't really laugh. Um, I could see what they were doing. I think it's it has a place in the space, but that's about all I can say, you know, for this film right now. It's a little tough, right? Because, like, the film starts off with this prologue sequence, and if you're not familiar at all with the comics or anything, it, I think it's very mm -hmm. disorienting, like, what exactly is happening and then we have this whole kind of early 1990s, late 1980s, cheesy, like, transportation to this wizarding world with Jaimon Hansu in a thankless role where he's like, you are the chosen one. And it's, it's very, like, honestly, it's extremely just cheesy. For me, yeah, uh, just yeah. in terms of its production design, the way everything is done, the costumes, Everything about it just screams to me like early 1990s watching this shit on VHS in my parents' basement. Like this was the kind of stuff I used to be into <laughs> as a kid. Think it meant, it, I mean, some of that was intentional. Oh, yeah. I think it totally is for yeah. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Dan, what's what's uh, your ultimate takeaway? Um, I hope your theater experience was better. <laughs> um, my, my experience was much better. Um, I was a little worried because during the trailers, there was this one kid, like, uh, maybe a, a row in front of me and like a few seats over that kept loudly saying the name of each movie after the trailer, like, <laughs> I for example, like the trailer for Godzilla, King of the Monsters come up and he goes, it's over and he goes, Godzilla. <laughs> And that's really funny because I always like feel like I get that whenever I go to like the independent art house cinemas and there's the elderly crowd member that will go like, mmm, yes. a star is born. And I'm like, yes, that is the title. <laughs> At least they were watching, Dan. At least they were watching. <laughs> yeah. And and like there, you know, I've I've been impressed like recently a few times that I've gone to the movies that like people are They've gotten better at checking their phones, but hiding it really well. Sure. So like protecting the light from, you know, getting out and bothering people. So I appreciate that if people must check their phones, although I don't understand why, you know. Anyway, um, I had a really good time with this movie. Um, I think it's interesting, Matt, that you mentioned the kid who would be king because it, it 
I didn't make that connection, even though I had seen the kid who would be king, but I did have a similar reaction to that movie as this one, which was like 10, 11, 12 year old me would have loved this. Exactly. And I, I still enjoyed it a lot. Um, but that said, like I, we've just gotten so many of these comic book movie superhero origin stories by now that like there's no suspense there is no you know real feeling of excitement or you don't know what's coming next because it's the same story just in different clothing well i'll give this one the benefit of the doubt in the sense that uh, to me, while watching Shazam, I kind of got the impression that this was trying to be Deadpool for kids at times. Okay. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. Yeah. And I, I really kind of like that self-referential comedy and placing this character definitely within the real world, even though he is extremely mystical yeah. and there's – you know, wizards and these crazy superpowers and what have you. Um, all of that I kind of rolled my eyes at, but the stuff I really, really enjoyed was I really liked the point of view of this teenage kid who assumes the identity of this really super powerful being. And quite honestly, what made the movie for me wasn't so much um, Asher Angel as uh, Billy Batson. It was the reactions of his friend, uh, Frederick or Freddie Freeman, played by Jack Dylan Grazer. His enthusiasm for not only the character Shazam, but just the performance that he gives as kind of like the nerdy uh, sidekick who knows everything about superheroes. That to me was the most endearing part of the film so much. It was this childlike wonder and fascination with, oh my God, you have these superpowers. What can we do with this? You know, I loved that. (laughs) Yeah, I, it was. I really, it was super entertaining. It was really funny. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, That said, like, there's a, I think there's a ceiling on how good these movies can be at this point. Sure. And and, and I think this one, it it doesn't quite hit that ceiling, but it comes really, really close. Um, (laughs) I just, like, there's a scene, and I loved um, Jack Dylan Grazer in that part. I thought he was pretty perfect um but there's this scene where they're doing you know where he's filming all the tests of shazam's powers that they're doing and then uploads them to youtube Mm -hmm. and in the back of my head i'm thinking well while that is absolutely something that this character would do like in general this is is also supposedly a character who knows a lot about superheroes and really you want to attract the attention of potential supervillains slash the military and government slash all the evil entities that are out there and do like in superhero stories or looking for superheroes yeah Yeah, i just didn't really care about that though it was just kind of like it it was so much fun that yeah yeah, trying to be in the now and yeah yeah like it was that sort of thing. Like I would come up with a problem or an issue with the movie and then it would just so entertain me that I didn't care. I mean, there were things that, you know, like I said, just in terms of like the humor, um, it took me, it took me a while. I have to admit, it really took me a while to warm up to the humor of this movie and kind of get into the film's rhythm. 
because I really went in, like I said, completely blind, didn't know what to expect. But when you have lines like when he says, lay your hands on my staff and he's like, <laughs> and he's like, gross. And I'm like, Wait a minute. Yeah. There, there is a uh, there is a kind of um, it, let me put it to you this way. It feels good to be able to laugh at jokes, situations, characters without having to resort to vulgarity and sensuality and, you know, the other things that we tend to get out of our comedy this, you know, this much nowadays. So I I do have to say that it was a nice, it was a departure. It was a break, so to speak, from that. And and I, I have to say, like, at first, when I first walked out of the film, I honestly wasn't totally sure if I really liked it. Uh, I had a lot of reservations with it. There were some things that, for me, just weren't clicking. But the more I have had time to sit on it and really think about it, I, I have to say I've really warmed up to it quite a bit. I don't know if it's something that I would rewatch anytime soon, but I definitely think that there was a level of care put into this movie by all everyone involved. Everyone. Yeah. Well, I like, yeah, like the staff joke was interesting and it threw me off at first, like you were saying, but then they kind of like go through this whole bit with the gentlemen's club. And I, I what I kind of appreciated was that it did go there. I mean, these are 14 and 15 yeah. year old boys that should be watching this and like, let's be realistic. Like that's funny to them. And so I, I like I, the more that I thought about that, I thought, you know, I like that they did some of that, even though for a minute it was like, well, this isn't like laugh out loud for me. So who's laughing out loud at this? But it's kind of playing up to the humor of that, like, you know, that um, junior high generation right now. And I, I give it credit for that. It didn't shy away at all. And, you know, a lot of the focus has been placed on, like, the main characters in this movie. Like I said, Zachary Levi. Asher Angel is the lead of the film as young Billy Batson. Uh, Mark Strong is playing the villain for, like, the one bajillion of time in a movie. Yeah. He had too much backstory. But to me, the the scene stealers, uh, you know, I said Jack Dylan Grazer before, but honestly, it was the other kids. The kids within the foster home actually stole the movie from me. And I, especially um, Faith Herman, who plays Darla, uh, yeah. Billy's youngest uh, so sister. cute. <laughs> Yeah. Like she has this like one moment where she's like trying to hold the secret in that Billy is Shazam. And when they all figure it out, she just has like this. Yay, you all figured it out moment. Yeah. That's like so, so cute. <laughs> right. Well, and it's so funny when they're asking her to keep the secret. And I'm like, wait a minute. Is anyone hearing this? Some older teenage boys are telling her this is our secret. You really shouldn't tell anyone. And I'm like, am oh, I the I... only like person horrified by this? But then I was like, I wait, did teenage. not even make that connection. I, of course I would. I'm the old lady on the front row. I mean, but I was sitting, but then I'm like, okay, just settle in. Like it's, it's really okay. This isn't, this movie isn't for you. They're not trying to make a dark joke here, but maybe, maybe in some ways though, some of it was sort of intentional in a way. I don't know. Maybe not. And, I, and you know, I like that all the kids were uh, different ethnicities, so there was like a degree of representation. I really, 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 really appreciated the fact so much that they didn't try to do this whole uh, teenage, maybe some sort of a romance angle between uh, Mary and Billy. Uh, who is who is Billy's foster sister? But I'm like, oh, they're the same age. They're both white. Are they gonna try to do something here between the two of them? And thank God they didn't. And I was like, oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, because like the movie just would have been completely derailed for me at that point if it had gone that route. Instead, the film chooses to focus on the familial bonds. Uh, there's, you know, 
Billy's looking for his mother throughout the film who he it's like it's like everybody else seems to understand no Billy your mom abandoned you deliberately she didn't lose you <laughs> you know but like he can't seem to face that truth that that is exactly like what happened I thought that was touching actually yeah, I really liked that storyline exactly so yeah. this is Billy's like quest to like find a connection uh with family all over again and it's 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 a, actually that is the beating heart of the story, and that is what honestly saved the movie for me. Was when we do get to that final climactic showdown, and it involves all of the main characters uh, within that family. Yeah, it's cool, and yeah, it's a big surprise in the in the in that moment that actually was pretty pretty fun uh, and made it you know exciting to watch. But that that was all kind of secondary for me, uh, especially. Especially those CGI Seven Deadly Sins thing. I like whatever. I, I like. I just kind of just brush that off my shoulder. I have no idea what the hell was going on with that. The whole Seven Deadly thing thing was was confusing to begin with, and kind yeah. of out there and weird and really. Um, and the, the design of those characters was the first thing that I really went like, who is this movie for? <laughs> right. Because they were pretty gross and, and scary. Not to mention there's just like this boardroom meeting that like almost tips the God, film into yeah. R-rated territory, I felt yeah. like. There was too much exposition on the ba- on the villain. I think that I, was unnecessary. I think we spent way too much time the there. Whole prologue. All you need is Mark Strong's face. I mean, because yeah. it's amazingly True. strong and his ability is strong. <laughs> we just didn't Would you say that Mark Strong's face is strong and it makes its mark, Deanne? Oh, God, <laughs> yes. That is exactly she did. Um, yeah, um, but... He's sleepwalking through this, though, honestly. Yeah. No, but, like, it, we also didn't need to spend all that time on that. Like, I, I have an issue with the runtime, clearly, and it wasn't yeah. just because of my subjective experience, I promise. Like, I wouldn't have minded that they spent so much time on uh, the character Daddy of Savannah if if only Mark Strong was giving a compelling performance. But instead, what I felt like I was watching every time he was on screen was every other Mark Strong villain performance. He's giving the Mark Strong villain performance, which to be fair, when you hire Mark Strong to play your villain, that's obviously what you want. Right. I feel like I got this in (laughs) kick-ass, you know? Yeah, like you can, this is the first time that I've seen him do this and like you can feel how bored he is. Right. So I I, I agree with you, Deanne. Like I I think I kind of started to feel the runtime in the sense of like those scenes just weren't captivating. Uh, But to kind of tie it all together, like I said, the scenes that were the most captivating uh, was the familial uh, angle that they were taking with Billy and getting closer with um, the foster family that has brought him in. And even though some of the kids in the foster family don't get as much screen time as others, I still was able to feel the beating heart of this film come through in that climactic end uh, ending uh, when they all come together. And it, it, it honestly, like without that, the movie would have gotten a much lower rating from me. That was ultimately what pushed the film over the edge uh, beyond the entertainment angle, beyond the self meta referential humor. Uh, that's what made the film special. They, they really did. Um, the the actors who were playing all the members of the foster family, including the foster parents, they just created a really believable bond between yeah. all those characters. It was, was sweet. Really, and and they when especially when you think about how little screen time they actually had to do that, that's really impressive. And I, I don't know how spoilery we want to get, but I just want to say that the casting for this movie is fantastic. 
Yeah, the only thing I just have one little qualm about, I agree with you there, Dan. I do agree. I do kind of wish that there was more of an effort made on Zachary Levi's part to maybe mimic Asher Angel a little bit more. Yeah, they're both yeah. kind of doing their own thing. Yeah. Asher's very sarcastic and still kind of like angsty. And, and Levi, when he's playing him, you don't get as much of that. He he seems to be more like, honestly, he is... <sighs> Levi, it seems like he's like trying to play Jack Dylan Grazier and like, the, oh, gee, golly, look at me. I'm a big kid, you know, uh, with muscles. I almost saw him as being like the mask version of uh, of Billy Batson. You know, like it's uh, exaggerating all of the the latent parts of his personality, I guess. OK, yeah. Um, yeah. But, which but like I agree, like that didn't quite work. Mm hmm. Um, as well as I, I would. Yeah, have I mean, it definitely crossed my mind too. It didn't bother yeah. me for some reason, yeah. and I yeah. Did, yeah. like I don't know what that is, but like I, I, I still liked what I, Levi was doing. I, I think it's his charisma, honestly. Yeah. Like Zachary Levi is just like you can't not watch him. He he ha- just has it. You know what I really wanted more of from this movie? And these were the moments, like, just in terms of, like, the comedy, this was, like, what really worked for me the most. I think the single most laugh-out-loud best moment might even be up there with maybe one of the best scenes of the year for me uh, when all is said and done is when Mark Strong is delivering his evil monologue speech. Oh, my God. That it kind of came out of nowhere because for me, the whole movie was it was humorous, but it wasn't that funny. And when that moment happened, I was howling in the movie theater with that laughter. So brilliant. I wish there was more moments like that. And honestly. It was a surprise. You were like, it, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. we had seen something similar in Kung Fu Panda at one point. If I remember correctly, Possible. I'm like almost positive that happens in Kung Fu Panda. But but seeing it here, it was just. Oh, it was it was a perfect, perfect comedic moment. It was that I wish the movie had more of that sort of like, you know, Deadpoolish satire of superhero stuff, because whenever it did that, I think that was when the movie was at its strongest. Yeah, I mean, you know, watching uh, watching Shazam in this cape, like walking to strip clubs and yes. buying beer. <laughs> Although that's funny because, you know, that's what a 15 year old kid would do. And it is definitely very relatable in that sense. Um, poking fun at the superhero genre, which, like I said before, is something that Deadpool has done, you know, to death now over the course of two films, seeing it done here, but in a non-rated R setting, I do think that there is ground to cover that has not been covered yet uh, within the superhero genre. Like I said, this film was like almost there for me, and I think that's what has given it a very overall positive response from both critics and audiences so far, Uh, but it didn't reach its full potential for me. I I do think that's good, though, because that does leave room for the sequel to do better than the first one did. If they, you know, obviously, I think they are probably going to do a sequel. We'll we'll see. (laughs) And that brings me to my my biggest problem with the movie, and it kind of relates to, to something you said before, um, Matt, about how like you weren't like this doesn't really seem to fit in with the DCEU in a lot of ways so far how they've set it up and the ending of this movie. Oh, with, I didn't. Yeah, okay, at oh, hold on, wait, wait. Are you talking post credits or or right before the credits? I'm talking the moment, both the moment right before the credits and the post credit or mid credit scene. See, I liked it because. 
I, ah, uh, you know, I can't, you know what? That's like one of those moments before I'm talking before the credits. That's one yeah. of those moments where I can't really explain to you why I liked it, but I think it does kind of go back to forget about the quote unquote crossover potential. Mm-hmm. It's just more so that self-referential humor aspect that I think I really enjoyed about that moment so much. And also to tying it back to, um, uh, Jack Dylan Grazer's childlike wonder and awe at such a moment that I, I, I found very relatable in that, in that moment. I, I agree. Like, but I mean, as much as I have problem with the fact that that moment was in the movie at all, I thought it was done well. Yeah, exactly. Like, but I'm just sitting there going like, really, really come on. Well, here's the thing though. At the end of the day, I think it's a very, very tiny, small moment. Absolutely. And like, did it mar my enjoyment of the movie at all? No. And one of my biggest complaints about Marvel has been how much their movies just feel like continuations of other movies and they don't actually stand alone. Yeah. And I think the best ones are the ones like Wonder Woman. I know that's DC, but I'm just throwing it out there. Like Wonder Woman, Black Panther, Spider-Man Homecoming. Like they really stand on their own. And yeah, you don't really Guardians need the Galaxy. other yeah. yeah, the first Guardians, exactly. Uh when you start getting into stuff like I don't know, say Civil War, and it's just like yeah. oh my god. Like it this is such a middle chapter, like it's not even funny how much like this movie because honestly, like looking back on it now, like and I I'm sorry, I know I'm comparing Marvel to DC here, but looking back on it now, like Civil War just feels so inconsequential. I hated that movie so much. Uh, so I didn't hate it, but like I look back on it now and I'm like, it just feels unnecessary at this point. And I know people will disagree with me on that and everything. I understand. Yeah. But there comes a point where if you start continuing the story way too, too much and there is no ending, mm-hmm. like that's the thing. There needs to be an ending because yeah. then you can look at it as a middle chapter. But if the story just keeps going and going and going and there is no finality to it. Then you start to look back and say to yourself, like, all right, then what was the point of this if they were going to just resolve it two movies later? And what was the point of this if, like, you know what I mean? So with Shazam, I really, really enjoyed it a lot more because they didn't do a Batman cameo like they had to do in Suicide Squad, for example. Or, you know what? Honestly, to be fair, um, I'll give a little bit of credit to Aquaman. Actually, Aquaman was another mm. film that felt like a standalone movie yeah. and was really just trying to do its own thing. And that movie should have existed before Justice League came t- into being, which is Great. totally fair. And so if for now, if with this movie, if that's all they're going to do for us is that one little moment at the end. And let's be honest, it's also not the actor. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it's clearly a stand. It's clearly a stand in. <laughs> um, I'm OK with that. I think it makes the storytelling a lot stronger while at the same time laying the groundwork for, okay, we could potentially see a bit of crossover in the future. I don't know if I'm necessarily excited for that, but for what they did with this movie, it's okay. Mm-hmm. All right. With that said, uh, well, let's head over to final thoughts. Great out of 10. Oscar potential. Uh, final thoughts, Deanne. 
So I really liked the uh, big throwback here. I like I thought that was a lot of fun and like that was made for me a little bit for that reason. Um, so they did a lot of things to kind of tie into that. And obviously they had one very overt connection to big, which I thought was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, there's a couple other kind of comparables. I think there was a film. It's probably 10 or 12 years old now. Um, Sorcerer's Apprentice. Do you guys remember that? With, I with my love buddy. that movie. Yeah, with my yes. Yeah. I want you both to know that me and Nick are on first name basis because that's cool. Okay. Um, um, and Jay Jay Baruchel, am I saying that right? But Jay Baruchel, yeah. He's similar, huh, Dan? If you think about some of the plot developments, yes. there's actually a lot. And tone. Tone was very – and I also mm-hmm. like that movie. I like that it was sort of living in this in-between in a place that we don't get to spend a lot of time. And that's what I give this movie credit for too. Um, and I, you know, I, I do, I think that the performances overall, the casting was really dead on. I, I think they did such a great job with that, that that really made this work and shine again, runtime few, there's some nitpicks for sure. Um, and you know, some unnecessary things involved. I would give this a six out of 10. I am trying not to let my movie theater experience, um, influence that score. Maybe if I think on it, it could make its way to a seven, but I think if I'm being real, I have to give it a six. Okay. That's totally fair. Dan. Um, I, one of the things that I really appreciated with this movie, uh, and I, I was I was I was struck by this again when Deanne was talking about the trailers. The trailers for this really didn't give a whole lot of the plot away. It was really all stuff from like the first half of the movie, but only from Billy Batson's story. There was no hint of the villain. Like I didn't even know Mark Strong was in this movie until he showed up. Mm. And I I I really appreciate movies that that do that with their marketing that don't like spoil everything um so bravo dc and wb for for that um i i enjoyed this you know like it it's not going to be ending up on my you know top 10 or 20 of the year list but i really enjoyed it i thought it had a really nice message about family and um you know choosing the things that are important to you in life um and i think that especially when you consider who it's made for for that like you know really early teen preteen boys i think it meets those goals re- goes really well and it has at least one super duper memorable scene um i am i would give this a solid 7 um I mostly based on just how much I was able to sit and enjoy it. Uh, there's a couple things I just want to just re- uh, list off here very, very quickly. Um, I think Bohemian Rhapsody scarred me for life because now every time I hear Queen's music and anything, I get a little cringy. <laughs> I totally oh, had no. that same thought, Matt. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I went, oh, no. Like, this <laughs> took me somewhere. I'm afraid to rewatch Shaun of the Dead, like, ever again. So... <laughs> Uh, the same song was used in that movie, and I'm just like, oh, no. Oh, man. Like, it's going to be years before I overcome this. <laughs> um, I will also – it's funny because I don't have my notes in front of me because I accidentally forgot my notebook when I saw this film, but I'm just going off my memory, so this may sound a little random. Uh, but other things that really, really stood out to me uh, – Hodokin! Yes! It's Street Fighter. <laughs> I love oh, that. Oh, 
Man, that was great. <laughs> uh, what else? What else? What else? What else? Um, I really liked all of the funny stuff about how he's never actually referred to as Shazam. He's always referred to as like something else, like <laughs> lightning from my hands. <laughs> or um, I don't even know. I don't even remember some of the nicknames. I wish I had a chance to write them down. But like Thunderbutt maybe was one. <laughs> that was funny. Captain Sparkle Fingers was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Thundercrack. Wait. Thundercrack? No. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. what it was? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed all that for what it was. Like I said, like, for me, the only real laugh out loud moment was that scene with Mark Strong and Zachary Levi. That was that was hysterical. Everything else got, like, chuckles out of me and some smirks and definitely a few moments where I was like, ooh, that did not land. Uh, but overall... This was a very entertaining piece of cinema, something that I don't think I'm going to necessarily remember in a few months' time, to be honest with you. But for the time being, I was not disappointed. I did not have a miserable time. My theater-going experience was actually quite lovely. Sorry, Deanne. But overall, uh, this movie is... It's it's like the very definition of good, not great, not terrible. Uh, my only knock against it, really, uh, I mean, like, the one prevalent thing in my mind that I'm like, why could this not have been done better is Jaiman Hansu is, like, barely in this movie. And I just wish he was doing more because he's a really, really great actor. And I feel like over the last couple of years, he has not had the opportunity, like, in anything yeah. to do anything, <laughs> you know? Wait, am I... Am I maybe forgetting something, or was he also a random side character in Captain Marvel? He was in Captain Marvel. He's in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. Random. Wow. He's also an Aquaman. Oh my God, he is. What the hell? I I know. So he's he's like everywhere, just trying to get that franchise money. Jackson. (laughs) So. I just wish that he was doing a little bit more because obviously with films like Gladiator, Blood Diamond in America, like we know that this guy's capable of a little bit more. Sure. So I want to see him get utilized a little bit more as a result of that. But that's OK. Uh, you know, this film definitely has its heart in the right place. It definitely ties its message together at the end. I mean, this moment, I don't want to give any, I don't want to give too much away, but this moment where Freddy's uh, crutch. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a great, great visual moment with that in the third act that just had my audience cheering so loud. That was yeah, it awesome. Was good. It was it definitely made you smile. That yeah, people fun. people were really invested. I, I mm-hmm. think the audience was really invested by the time we got to the end of this movie. And that's really what matters is great character work, laying the foundation for uh, characters that you really, truly care about. And this film definitely was able to deliver, even despite a few patchy moments of humor that just didn't quite land. So um, I, too, Dan, am going to give this a solid uh, 7 out of 10. I remember walking out of the theater, I initially given it like a 6. Uh, but upon reflection, I was like, nah, 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 nah. That was that was, that was was good. <laughs> so I, I land at a 7 on it. And as far as Oscar potential goes, no. Mm-mm. <laughs> no, Conversation so. over. <laughs> Wait, what about this uh, visual effects? I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, like maybe outside <laughs> chance for visual. I don't think so because those visual effects are honestly they they look cheap. They don't look expansive necessarily. They're ve- they're kept very small scale. Yeah, I don't buy it. I mean, isn't this movie made for less than a hundred million dollars? Yeah, I think so. And it's not a prestige film. 
So, no, I don't think so. 15-year-old kids know what the seven deadly sins are. I also found that, like, a little bit obscure. <laughs> the whole thing about that was just so Gluttony, like, they have me. any idea. <laughs> like, I, all I wanted to do was rewatch Seven, but then I realized, like, yeah. oh, God, I, it's not like I could show a 13-year-old Seven. Every <laughs> you time know? I, that's what I think of every time I hear of the Seven yeah. Deadly Sins, because yeah. I never learned yeah. about them in Bible school. So I just hear, like, Morgan Freeman just, like, listing them off. Yeah. Grieved. Sloth, wrath. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Alrighty. Well, with that said, Deanne, where can they find you in the, on the internet? At TweedledeeD33. Dan? You can find me on Twitter at DancingDan on film. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Shazam! here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. Leave us a comment. Rate us five stars. We really appreciate your feedback, as well as your support, which you can lend over to us at Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast coverage from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. We'll